choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Today, you've got with you the Knucklehead, Stephen. And I'm excited. We actually got... uh, we actually got a few Marines in the room, and and it's always good when you mix three Marines uh, and some beer, especially when it's <laughs> right at the noon hour. I love that on a Sunday. So uh, we've got with us today uh, two uh, two actually some really quality individuals. I'm excited about them sharing some of their experiences when it comes to failure. We got Trace Johansson with us, and we've got Matt Nayland. So Matt is a investor, entrepreneur, Marine. Trace is a consultant, um, kind of turned politician. How, how do you? I mean. It's yeah, I wouldn't say I turned politician. I'm Got doing it. a little bit of that on the side. Got but. it. All right. As a as a volunteer in a way, voluntold, and you're going to yeah. go uh, right some wrongs or or at least make more rights right. A little bit, little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Very good. Well, very good. Well, welcome to the show, fellas. Um, I appreciate y'all taking some time in the middle of the day. Busy day, busy weekend, holiday season. Things get crazy. So um, it's nice to it's nice to sit down and kind of uh, BS around a little bit. So let's jump right into it. Let's let's actually make this. Um, let's make this about some of your experiences. So I think there's a common misperception uh, when somebody is evaluating running a business as an investor, Matt, I want to talk with you and start with you sure. first. Yeah. Um, your, your experience, well, first of all, tell people a little bit about how you got started, how you were an investor, are all your businesses successful yeah. I guess, by your standard? Uh, talk about that so from, we can kind of far from that. Yeah, have a level <laughs> expectation here. So. Well, you know, if I kind of, you know, peel back the onion, I think about why I've done a lot of entrepreneurial things. I honestly think to some degree it's because uh, my dad's been an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, and I was just thinking of that before we started and you were given my introduction. But, you know, he he was in banking and then finance. And I've I've seen the roller coaster through, you know, living um, uh, with him, even though I didn't live full time with him. But uh, all the way from the 80s and the bust in the real estate to, to telecoms in the 90s to back into real estate in 2000. And he has succeeded greatly and failed greatly and come back resilient each and every time. And yeah. he's still at it. He's still at it in his 60s. That, I mean, that had to have left a, a very significant impression on you because in my, in my experience, the guys that have had type A dads that have gone out there, hair on fire, make some things happen. It can get pretty hairy pretty quick in terms of that relationship with their dad. Yeah, for sure. And I've even worked with them. Sure. Um, oh my gosh. Sometimes um, to to great effect, and sometimes <laughs> not. To, to sure. where it's always a challenge. But yeah. you know, he's an ever present um, uh, person in my life. So the why, why I mention that though, or why I say that, is because I think you know, at a young age, uh, I was a witness to to. Being in business, okay, you know the the language, the communication. You what know, was it that drew deals. you in? Or was it just the, the the fact that your dad did it, or what, what drew you? No, in? I think I think I liked the atmosphere. Okay. I think I liked the fact that there was, you know, there's a little bit of a swashbuckling adventurer mentality to entrepreneurs. Okay, um, if you go back to explorers, that's what they essentially did, right? They were entrepreneurs themselves. They had yeah. a vision of something, and they needed to bring a team together and lead towards that vision. Yep. And entrepreneurs do that all the time. And at the same point, it's also like being a scientist, the whole bunch of thousand experiments going on all at once. Yep. And you've got a limited set of knowledge. It's yep. highly chaotic, yep. but you've got to put in place, like I know Trace can talk about this because he's great at it, but putting in place 
you know, good processes to try and tamp down some of those those um, unforeseen chaotic moments that can spiral around a business. So well, well, I got way off on a tangent. No, but, no, no, you're, you're but, fine. <laughs> it's, it was interesting how you led with the almost the scientific method for choosing the right path or adjusting whenever you run into resistance. Yeah. I mean, because your dad didn't go from one business to another uh, haphazardly. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the, well, the success. Well, I'm not sure about that. You know? Or maybe he did. Maybe he did. I, 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 I'm no, I say that so, because yeah. I th- I'm not sure how many of us do sure. uh, get to go, you know, scientifically from one business to another. I think it depends on who we're surrounded by yeah, and what sure. opportunities present themselves. Yep. And then what is your risk, risk threshold yep. to um, to execute on those opportunities? Sure. And then how do you learn along the way? And that's the scientific method. Yeah. And I know we'll, we'll venture into failures, but... So that's how I got, that's how I think I had in my mind really um, how I could step out on my own. And sure. one of the first entrepreneurial businesses I had was actually with my dad in a healthcare business that went for about three and a half years and kind of died on the vine. Oh, wow. You know? Um, and then I didn't stop there. Yeah. Uh, I went on, and sometimes you teeter in and out of being an entrepreneur, just given the circumstances and what you have to do. I mean, the reality is to, you got to pay bills. You got to do, you got to create income. You got to, yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to retrain. It is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then gain perspective. Yep. That's yeah. what I've been. No, I, I wanted to jump in there. One, just because you started talking about science and you started talking about uh, what I would call consider quality decision-making and there's various degrees of quality. And that's why I'm excited to have Trace on. Trace, um, for those of you who don't know, Trace, uh, do you, do you make decisions? So I want to talk about a time where you ever, you were skewed by the data to change what your original gut feeling was. And you decided to, you know what, I'm going to rely on what the information is telling me to make a better quality decision. I'm going to put you on the spot too. because you. Yeah. I think Steven's bringing that up because I have a habit of saying that a lot lately, especially in the political world. Uh, yeah. What many of you don't know, I'm a city council member in Rockwall, Texas, and I've kind of been known for saying, hey, uh, I'm prepared to be wrong, but uh, I want to see the data to prove it. And I'll let data change my mind any, any time. The first time I ever like kind of understood that concept and the inherent fallibility in humans' ability to assess risk accurately was probably when I read the book's Freakonomics. Okay. And I learned from that, uh, which one do you think is more likely to kill your child? The swimming pool in your backyard or the gun <laughs> in your home? Well, I yeah. know the answer because I read that book, right. so I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> There's about a one in a million chance the child dies by that gun. There's a one in 10,000 chance the child will die in that pool. Oh but God. we go every day and don't even give, you know, blink an eye at it. So it's funny. And, and the same thing, like when people are afraid of flying, I'm like, well, what's the probability of a plane going down? It's pretty low. But the yeah. probability of getting into a car accident is really, really high. But we don't even worry about going in cars. And so that's kind of where it all started. And then my career in uh, consulting, I worked for a business intelligence data analytics company and did a lot with, with analytics. And so that's probably where a lot of it comes from. And like I said, uh, the data will change my mind. I may have an opinion about something, but uh, if the data will re- either reinforce or it'll, uh, it'll switch my opinion. It's actually well, I love one that. of the things I appreciate about Trace is because, you know, you'll have a lot of Yahoo's sometimes that are maybe on you know, Facebook or other social media platforms uh-huh. that, you know, express an uninformed but emotionally driven opinion. Sure. And what's great about Trace is he'll come in and very uh, calmly, you know, address the emotion side, but then 
rations it with all of the data that says, well, what's driving your opinion there? Sure. Nine times out of 10, do you even get a response? Yeah, but when I start satisfied. Yeah, when I kind of deflect from their emotion and then I address the facts, like you said, it, most times it gets pretty quiet because I say, hey, and here's a perfect example. Um, this is a really touchy one, but somebody made a comment on Facebook about the racial diversity or makeup of like city government, for example. And they said, well, are you saying that it's the same as a U.S. military? If not, what do you think we should do to make the city government more reflective of the racial diversity of the military. And I said, you know, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that before. I said, but the way I think about most problems is if my mission is to responsibly allocate taxpayer dollars, I would like to know exactly what proportion of that mission is better executed by someone's hair color, eye color, ear size, skin tone, gender. And when you can tell me how those things affect the ability to allocate taxes versus personal decision making, then I'm all ears. But until that point, I really don't want to talk about physical traits or engage in identity politics. Well, we started this episode. It's interesting. We started this episode. Uh, I wrote down the word employment uh, on the top, but what we're what we're talking about is perspective. I mean, what what Matt's touched on was the perspective and vantage point that his father gave him in terms of an example. Right, the perspective of entrepreneurship. He set an example right. out there for you, and it, and it showed you a way that you could go down that path. Um, Trace, you're talking about how the lens of data makes what it is that you're looking at. It brings things into focus if you allow information to be surfaced earlier in the decision making process yeah. by mitigating against the emotions. And I just, I, I, what I love about this is the reason why we started Knucklehead Podcast was everybody's a subject matter expert on whatever it is that they say that they're an expert on. And there's really no way to push them towards, well, show me some of your proof. Show me the result. I want to see some fruit on the tree to give me an example. I read the best description of subject matter expert the other day, and I stole it from a book. Can't remember what it was, so yeah. forgive me. But it yeah, said, an expert is someone who has failed in every possible way in a very narrow field. <laughs> I know what it was. It's from the book Death of Expertise, which is a fantastic book. But <laughs> you said subject matter expert. I thought of that. Yeah. So someone who has failed in every possible way in a very, very <laughs> narrow field. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's interesting how um, more often than not, we're taught whenever we're learning something new. Let's just take the Marine Corps for, uh, for instance. We're a whole bunch of undisciplined, wet behind the ears, 18, 19, in some cases, 22-year-olds if they went to college, right? And they, and they thrust a, a significant amount of responsibility, but they, they force you to fail and then they build you back up, right? And they yeah. force you to go through these experiences where, listen, what you did before doesn't really matter. I'm going to force you to fail so you can have the death of the old person and we're going to build you up and reinforce a new person. But what you really said, I think, is critical and as it, as it relates to entrepreneurialism is yep. having perspective. Yeah. Because I think if everybody kind of removes themselves from the immediate situation, whether it's the stress or whether it's the workload or whether it's trying to execute on your vision, yeah. and you think forward or even reflect backwards, right? You know, I, I challenge anybody to think five years ago, what was so critical to them this day five years ago? Hmm. Yeah. You'd be, it would be, you'd be hard pressed to remember what was so meaningful to you then. Sure. Right. So your perspective has radically changed over a period of five years or yeah. 10 years, two months, right. whatever it is. I think a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur and you're in the day to day, I mean, I remember being on an investor call while also, you know, sending out these mailers. I thought these mailers were just critical to our sales effort. Sure. Right. You know, and five years later, neither one of those moments mattered. 
<laughs> because that business doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's, it's important, but I think you have to periodically detach yourself sure. in order to, to keep perspective on your goal right. and focus towards that goal but not get lost in the minutia of the day-to-day stressors that I could derail you. I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the point that I had started with that you really touched on and brought to the surface was the perspective is really earned. R- rather than avoid whatever struggle you're trying to sidestep or whatever credibility you're trying to use from somebody else to, uh, I guess, build up your own uh, importance to a certain extent. I saw a tremendous amount of that in social media. I saw a tremendous amount of that in the business world where people will say, because my company is called this, therefore my opinion is that carries more weight. Well, because I came from, I came from my, I came from my dad. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's why we started Knucklehead, right? Because you can't, can't, can't be beta. You got to go get some wins. That that ended up dying on the vine. Yeah. You know, one of the issues we had is we had, we had a strategic decision, which was to take, we had a, we had a, we were licensing a medically supervised weight loss program. Okay. And we had several doctors who actually um, incorporated this into their practice. We had a chief medical officer. and But our goal was we didn't want to just go doctor by doctor group and try and then sell to them and then get them to sell through to their patients. Sure. The objective was we wanted to license our program to a already pre-existing large network. So there's a company in town here. We're in Dallas-Fort Worth area that already had a large uh, you can think of them almost like urgent cares, but they also had places where they had on-site medical care for large employers. And one of the major cost drivers for large employers is obesity. Sure. So that's the problem. Here comes our solution. We had plenty of data that showed here's how we can help people lose weight over a period of time and then reduce all the comorbidities associated with their obesity, sure. which then helps drive down healthcare costs. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So- that company that we were then trying to sell to had this large distribution channel, but that company got acquired by a large health insurer, Okay, a very large health insurer. Yeah. And I'm going to circle back towards your point, right? We ended up spending an, an exorbitant amount of time, money, and effort trying to sell one person, essentially, sure, which was the person who was going to determine whether they were going to acquire us or invest in us at this large health insurer. That person's experience and expertise and knowledge, I would say was somewhat limited. (laughs) But because they held the brand of their business, even though they were probably replaceable, you know, they, they sort of took on the mantle and the identity of that large business and hung it over each and every smaller business that they dealt with. Sure. So I, get I totally agree I get with it. what you're saying. Yeah, there's 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 countless examples. That's one where the I guess the, the lack of quality decision making uh, led to when it, it severely adversely affected a few people. So I mean, in, in this case, it affected your business. Yeah, quite yes, a bit. we had to pilot so, time and time again, and so we never got to. <laughs> <laughs> that's absurd. So we got to it. So uh, the, the encouragement that we that we can kind of uh, well that I want to be able to um, communicate to our listeners here is this. Is this is if you find yourself in that moment where where Matt was or what Trace was talking about, preceding his ability to uh, to take data and, and, and use quality decision making, uh, just just rest assured, uh, you don't be a beta about the process. Continue to move forward, 
but be reflective about that experience and draw on the perspective of other folks. Don't have so much of an ego where you can't ask questions and take input. So I want to ask Trace a question. Trace, you look like you want to say something though. What do you want to just well, chime in? What you were talking about as far as kind of assuming some level of gravitas or importance just because of a certain title or company you work for, mm-hmm. I would caution all of us to look at ourselves as veterans and say, don't go and say, oh, I'm a veteran, so my opinion matters more. Or, oh, I'm a veteran, so you should give me a break. Because I'll exactly. tell you right now, uh, that's the wrong attitude. 100%. That's, in, that's, the, that's the beginnings of, of entitlement mentality, yeah, not a symptom. You, you got it. You know, entitlement that's, mentality. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of self-pity. So, again, going back into that moment, and when you're in there in that moment, typically your, your perspective is you're feeling sorry for yourself because mm-hmm. of all these things stacked up against you, the deck stacked against you, so to speak. That's why you need perspective from somebody else. Right. Understand that you are a knucklehead. If you had the answer, you probably wouldn't find yourself in that situation where your back's up against the wall to begin with. Yeah. Right. So that's why that's why we it's kind of a term of endearment. We all are knuckleheads at some various levels. Right. Some of us are young right? some of us may be early. It may take us a couple of attempts at college to get through it. Right. Not everybody grew up with a dad that went to a service academy to put them into a position where they can go right into, you know, a 36 year old member of Congress. Right. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's just an example yeah. where the, the stack was. Uh, or the, excuse me, the deck was was very well set out for that individual. And not that that's bad. It is what it is. I want to do that same thing for my kids, right? But they will understand what work is. They will understand what failure is. And they will also understand the value of asking questions and sitting back and listening. So um, the, re- the reason why I wanted to ask you a question is because as a, as a, uh, a business consultant, um, you didn't find yourself always that way. You had talked about earlier before we started recording about being laid off and this process you had to go through. So I'm curious, yeah. uh, I'm curious what, what gave you this, well, what'd you learn in that process? And can you talk a little bit about that in depth? Yeah, it's funny. There have been many times in my life, and I think Matt can relate, and I'm sure you can as well, Stephen, that um, there have been many times where I failed at the time, it was like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. I'll give you a couple of examples. I failed out of Texas A&M after three years. Okay, I was a college dropout, which made me feel really terrible about myself. Um, but I ended up going back to work construction, which I've done since I was 14 and I made good money and I had a decent experience. Um, I got, when I, when I joined Marine Corps in 2001 and, um, I went to a command, I ended up going and deploying to Okinawa on the 31st of you and I didn't go to Iraq. I mean, this is 01 to 05 timeframe. And like, it's kind of like riding a big pine bench while the big game is going on. And the big game is the right. wars in Iraq. And here I am jungle training. So I got out of the Marine Corps. I wasn't very stoked about that. Um, I ended up getting divorced, uh, which was a terrible thing. But I realized at that time there was my contribution to the relationship or the failure of the relationship. Uh, then I got back into Texas A&M for round two. And then shortly thereafter, I got recalled to the Marine Corps. And so you talk about, you know, kind of shaking your foundation. So I, Cut my hair off and went back overseas. Um, so through these things, you know, every each one of these, I probably could have said, poor, poor, pitiful me, but I'm kind of a stubborn guy and I'm not really a quitter. And so it just makes me uh, work harder. And that's not to say that I just, I suppress it and then don't, don't deal with the things when they happen, but, but it's, I don't dwell, right. It's just like falling down. You just, you get back up. Right. Um, well, I was at a job where I had, I went to work basically for a, a paycheck. It was a, a, a field that I knew well. They wanted to start a new division in the central U.S. They were an East Coast company. Um, and it was a field that I knew well in data analytics. 
what I didn't realize there are a lot of market externalities that were happening that were affecting my business. Um, and there were a lot of things that happened. And, and the short story, long story short is that we ended up having a party in the ways. They, they kind of said, look, this isn't working out. You know, we're going to let you go after this period of time, give you a little bit of runway. Um, and, you know, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of bummed, you know, and, but then I started thinking like, well, you know, here's all the things that they did wrong. Right. And here's all the stuff that happened. And I started realizing I was doing a lot of finger pointing. And when I did that, it was kind of like, Oh boy. Okay. Now it's time to have a hard conversation with yourself. Uh, and then, so it's a, it's a construct that I use with, with people that I used to lead in business. It was kind of like, Hey, do you remember the accounting T accounts, right? You just draw a T account, there's debits right. and there's credits. Yeah. All right. Well, in this case, we're going to have, the, uh, as Covey calls it, the sphere of interest, which is the external stuff on one side, right? You can't really control it, but you're interested in it. And then on the other side is the sphere of influence, you, internal stuff. Well, I, and I saw so you say, well, look, let's fill out both columns, but you can't leave one of them empty, right? I'll help you with the external stuff. Uh, and, and I'm going to help you with the internal stuff. But until you acknowledge there's internal stuff you got to work on as part of the problem. Uh, in fact, when you start ticking off all the things on the internal column, and fixing all the stuff in the mirror, a lot of the other stuff disappears. It's amazing. So I found myself filling up that external column and doing a lot of finger pointing and grumbling. And then it was kind of like, oh boy, now, now I got to take a look internally. And so I, I started asking myself why it happened. And I just kept saying, okay, what happened here? Well, what happened was I didn't come in with a very well-defined set of expectations. I had what I thought I was going to do. And then my employers had what they thought. And we didn't really write anything down. We kind of, you know, um, there was a time where towards the end, I was probably, uh, my wife said kind of phoning it in. I was kind of going through the motions a little bit because I wasn't passionate about it. I was, I was working by myself, which I don't enjoy. I was the only person in my office doing air quotes here because the office was the game room upstairs, uh, at my house. And so sometimes I never even left the house. Um, but I don't, I don't do well in that environment. I usually do well working with a team towards a shared mission. Uh, so having conversations with my boss and, I wasn't really pushing on my boss to give me true feedback uh, and say, hey, how are things really going? How are we doing to what we expected? Uh, I never really had those conversations until one day it was kind of, uh, hey, it's, it's, yeah, it's too late. So the biggest takeaway from that was the first one was like, you know, look at yourself. And I started asking the deeper questions, the six whys, or maybe it's five, I don't know. It's in the sure. no, 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 rapid no. continuous improvement or six sigma or something. You say, why did this happen? Well, it happened because of this. Okay, well, why did that happen? Well, that happened because I didn't have hard conversation. Why do we have hard conversation? Oh, gee, maybe you're not very good at conflict. Why is that? Well, maybe you have something inside of you that wants to avoid conflict because you want to be accepted. Why is that? Well, maybe that acceptance is part of how you value yourself. So peeling the onion. it was peeling the onion back for myself. And I actually wrote these questions down. I did it by myself and I, um, it was a pretty good reflective period, but one of the things that came out of that was, um, obviously out of all the things that happened, I've always had better things happen. Now I work for a fantastic company called Slalom, like Slalom skiing, a fantastic place to work. Um, it was where I meant to be and I've been here over three years now and it's the best job I ever had. So I, I was able to take what I learned from that job, why I even picked that job in the first place and apply that to working for this company where I sought out a particular company for a very purposeful reason. Yeah. And once I decided I wanted to work there, uh, that's kind of how I ended up. So th- that was a long winded answer. No, it's a, it's a, sure. gr- it's a great answer. It's a, it's a, 
That's a great person. I mean, it's the exact thing that we keep on coming back to. And Matt, you had you had yeah. some some earned perspective, and and we're wrapping up now. And so we're sure. we're at a point where we're we're just about done with this particular episode. But it, what's what's incredible, and what I want people to pay attention to when they listen to this, the the, the listeners that are out there. There's probably some situations or circumstances in your life right now where you're kind of feeling a little bit upset about where your current set of circumstances are, right? It, you, you sound like you want to say something. What's up? No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, each failure provides you the opportunity to learn. 100%. And it's just yeah. a step on yeah. the way to success. Yes. How are you going to milk that failure and squeeze every tiny last drop of value out of it? Yep. Even if it's a tiny bit, but every last bit you can get from it. And you have to have the courage to reflect back on it. Yeah. Be, be honest with yourself on your mistakes. That's and fine. then take those ideas forward. You know, a big one for me. You know, I've had many lessons that I've learned through each business that has either succeeded or failed. Right. And there's there's a lot of different reasons. Some of them are macroeconomic that you have zero control over. Yeah. Recognize it for what it is and apply yourself to the next opportunity. You know, number one, my one of my best lessons is pick good partners. Yeah, sure. Absolutely pick good partners. Yeah. You know, I think one, if you're a real entrepreneur and you're hard charging, you're going to likely spend more time with those people than your own family. In most cases, yeah. Especially getting things up to where they need to go to get the momentum you need. 100%. Yeah. And you better be hard charging and you better be committed and focused. And when you're with those individuals, you need to make sure that I highly recommend you like them. Two, they're honest and that they actually care about you and your family. And that three, they're not lazy. So critical because you're never going to be able to do it on your own, ever. So, I mean, that's that's my number one lesson. The rugged corners, the rugged individualism of uh, of of Americans and uh, people who can accomplish. I just say Americans, just because it's it's the most successful society in the history of the world, right? In my maybe maybe there's data. Uh, Maybe there's maybe there's data to. to, uh, (laughs) So um, the reason why data proves it. Yeah, the reason why I I I mention it uh, in that in that instance, and and I can't thank both of you enough for just for your time and your. Sometimes it's not easy to share what you uh, uh, what you screwed up because there's a there's this propensity to share what you've uh, share what's I guess the window dressing. You want to share the the thing that attracts folks. Let's let's make this really nice and. And pretty, so therefore people will pay attention. Or if you're a female, you know you lose your you use your body to get attention. Or if you're a you know a, a guy in the uh, in the gym all the time, you, you wear the cutoff shirts that should you know. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like let what you what let what people are attracted to you about be something of substance. And, you know, um, Trace, I, a word that kept on coming to mind as you were talking um, was. Uh, credibility. I don't know why it was credibility, but it seemed like it was through screw ups and through countless um, frustrations. You have you've earned this this conviction because you went deep. However, had you had done that with your employer, uh, the, the guy that you were kind of avoiding the conversations with, it, it would have been different. I mean, it could have been different. However, it, it also could have affected your quality of life now. So it was wow. probably meant to be. Pretty glad it didn't. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> it is what it is. I wouldn't really yeah. trade any of my failures for anything. That's good. I've learned from it. Yes. Then, Same here. Yeah. Same here, brother. Well, yeah. let's let's not avoid it. So those yeah. those of you who are out there right now and you're struggling with something, you, you, your wife just left, or your husband just left, or you just got a bill in the mail, you got a notification, you, you're you just were you just declared bankruptcy, or if, like a, a buddy of mine, he had a, a business partner steal money from uh, from the business, and it, it was at a very 
it was a, it was a time where it could have just wrecked the entire business. Um, that's, that's a perspective. And that was 11 years ago. They've been in business for 12 years going on their 13th. Um, it's, it's sometimes that adversity it's meant to try to snuff out whatever, um, is meant to accomplish long-term, or you can use it to trace this point to squeeze out, um, the value of that failure and that uncomfortableness to go out and make yourself better. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what we wanted to share. Plus, we want to give people who are listening the ability to connect with both of you too. So this is your opportunity to talk about uh, a social media plug, contact information. How can people get in touch with you? Um, I want to know, uh, Naylan, you, you're you're kind of an investor at this point. How do people get in touch with you? If they're interested or want to talk to investments with you. <laughs> My uh, email. <laughs> yeah. All right. Your email. Got it. Matthew.a.nayland at gmail. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, Matthew is M-A-T-T or yes, M-A-T-T? Yes. Right. You're talking to Marines here. So. Dot Nayland, N-E-Y-L-A-N-D at okay. gmail. Got it. Yeah. I am uh, socially unsavvy. I, I have a Facebook page that my wife maintains. Got it. <laughs> all right. Sure so we just fired back up his Facebook account like two or three months ago. Nice. At the, we were all awesome. kind of sitting around smoking cigars and giving him, him a ration about it. So he finally went and just turned it back on. He's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, it's not that. Yeah. By the way, one month later, somebody already was trying to imposter me. Uh, <laughs> Lesson learned. Oh, my goodness. Well, you got his email address now if you want to get in touch with him. Um, interesting. Really, he didn't even dive into some of the other successes there. So we'll have to have him back on again. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Trace, how do people get in touch with you? At Trace Johansson, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, J O H A N N. E-S-E-N. And then I've got my website that I started for my campaign, tracejohansson.com. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty easy to find uh, on the web. I'm, I'm the opposite of nailing here. I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm on social media a little more than I probably need to be. No, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, any last parting words, anything that you want to leave our listeners with? If you're talking to if you're talking to you five years ago, if you're talking to uh, to somebody who's in the midst of a struggle right now, or they just they just had a perceived success and they don't know what the next step is because they you know they have this clear vantage point. They want to take that next step. Any last things that you want to tell these guys? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying. You know, failure is going to happen, so be resilient. Cool. Keep perspective. Where you're at five years ago uh, is not where you're at today, and it's not where you're going to be in the next five years. And then three, pick good people to take along with you. Love it. Try anything. All that stuff, and I would say a little bit different spin. This is something I learned. If, you, if it was, what do you tell yourself five years ago? I mean, I was, I was on the road and traveling. I wasn't really able to do that. But uh, get involved and serve somehow. Give back somehow. Yeah. Because, I mean, Naomi and I do a lot of this here in our community. But I've just realized the more that I do that, the more I get in return. So the more you minimize your own self-interest and orient towards other people's needs, uh, it's called the trust equation. You can look it up. But you'll find that the everything is greater. I mean, even if you're not doing well and you're out of work, I mean, you can go and 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 serve and participate, volunteer. Uh, when things are going well, uh, that's all the reason that you should go and, and help. It doesn't have to be much. And by the way, if you don't know what to do, like I don't know what to do, well, reach out to me because we have a hundred ideas between us about how you get involved. But 100%. get involved and give back all the time. Just make it part of your life. Yeah. So if you find yourself on the couch, really wanting to stay there looking at the television or playing video games or scrolling through, uh, scrolling through social media and finding yourself uh, wanting to wallow in self-pity. You got you to gotta understand every single one of us, that the, the exact posture that we wake up almost every day with is we want to take the path of least resistance. It's our nature. We're human. However, um, typically your results are when you orient your behavior and your actions away from that. 
So you got to get yourself out there. That's why we encourage people to not be beta. Don't just be sitting around. Go out and get you some wins. Get mm-hmm. some wins. I mean, that's the reason why we say uh, it in our in our um, excuse me, in our hashtag. It's get some wins. What does that even mean? It means go out there and take you some baby steps. Get yourself some confidence, even if it means seeing somebody else smile because you put yourself out there and you were selfless with an activity. That's right. Right. Sowing and reaping. Uh, call it what you want. Um, but anyway, I like the trust equation. I like labels. It makes things a little bit more comprehensive for me. So with that, guys, listen, uh, you can reach out to Knucklehead Podcast, uh, Knucklehead Podcast. We are Knucklehead Podcast on Instagram, Knucklehead Promotions on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, you can get in touch with me uh, on, on Facebook. It's fine. But KnuckleheadPodcast.com. we got a new episode coming out uh, every Tuesday. Uh, so Matt Nalen, Trace Johansson, we appreciate y'all's time today. And um, hey, guys, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Get some wins. See ya.